Welcome to Fundamentally Drained Podcast with your hosts, Father Everett Lees, Father Tom Dahlman, and Justin Dixon. Three Christians exploring Christianity from a perspective other than the fundamental view from which we have become fundamentally drained. We'll begin the conversation, and you take it from there. Today we continue our series on Outline of Faith, and we are in Part 9. Pretty soon I'll have to take a sock off to count Parts 11, 12, and 13, and so on. Um, But uh, today we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. And um, so... The Holy Spirit, uh, you know, I'll just read the first uh, outline piece here. It says, The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity, God at work in the world and in the church even now. And as I get to, um, I like that, even now. That's good. Um, that's that's kind of an eternal quote right there. <laughs> um, but second part that kind of drew me into this Holy Spirit piece is something that I have never thought about or understood. And so last episode, we covered the creeds. And the second bullet point on on the outline of faith talks about how is the Holy Spirit revealed in the Old Covenant. And that one caught me off guard. So um, I'm going to just ask someone to speak up here with this question. It says the Holy Spirit, the answer is revealed in the Old Covenant as the giver of life. Now, I know that in the Nicene Creed, we say the Holy Spirit, the giver of life. What does that mean, the giver of life, when referring to the Holy Spirit? Go. <laughs> Anyone? Well, I'm assuming you- that's talking about the creation when it says God formed man, Adam, from the dust of the ground, and then he, the Ruach, or breath, breathed life into him so spirit is pneuma right everett yep right and so why didn't you ask me tom in the in the hebrew well because you were asking the question i'm just kidding in the hebrew um the breath of god and the spirit are interchangeable or the breath and the spirit are interchangeable am i right i think yeah i didn't take hebrew but the ruach right um I regret that I didn't take Hebrew. Right? Isn't that right? Well, you, you also you also see the the spirit um, in so you know there's two gen- two stories in Genesis of creation and Tom. You talked about the one in which God makes out of dirt and breathes life. Um, there's also um, the first Genesis story in which the spirit is hovering over. Um, over the deep, I'm um, at the beginning, right? Yes, and, and that's the um, oh, that's rock. even better. That's better. Yeah. That's well, no, way I better than no, what I, I said. No, 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 no. I think I think they're both. I think they're both. It's not that one's better than the other. I'm just saying, like, so you have you have the spirit, you have God's breath. That they're they're one, you know, they're one and the same. And so, I mean. In both creation stories, you see the spirit of God involved in creation. So when we talk about giver of life, you know, that's what we're talking about. Nice. Good one. I was just researching Ruach. Um, And so Ruach is, uh, as you said, breath, spirit, um, wind. And so um, God's breath hovers over the deep. And uh, is Numa's Greek? Is that what you said, Tom? 
yes. Okay. All right. Okay. Um, and uh, so, okay, that's good. I feel like I feel like this is somehow now like suddenly a Rob Bell um, <laughs> podcast. Cause... So, so uh... we should say though, real quick, that our Jewish uh, brothers and sisters don't believe in the Trinity. So when we say they believe in one God, so when there's all these verses in the Old Test in the Hebrew Scriptures about. You know, the kings having the spirit or like Joshua um, in numbers uh, after he takes over from Moses, he's he says he's full of he has the spirit or the spirit came upon the judges when they judged Israel. So my just the point is we separate we separate. We see these Old Testament passages through the lens of the Christian scripture, but the the Jews would see these differently. Um, I haven't studied their theology about the spirit. I mean, I assume it's just that this is the way God is manifest here, or the life of God, or the wisdom of God. But right. But, but I mean, that still doesn't change the way I understand it. But I just felt like we should say that. So segueing into the prophets then uh, because the latter part of that answer says um, the one who spoke through the prophets and so um, I I guess I never attributed it <laughs> the uh, spirit to being at work in the prophets and uh, but is that I mean is that how you have always thought about it how have you thought about the pro- prophets drive and how they were selected is it through the spirit i would make sense yeah everett (laughs) say that can you repeat that again so i've never thought about the spirit being what drove i guess for lack of a better word right now the prophets um so i i don't know i'm trying to i'm trying to think this through in my head because like I just thought the prophets were you know people who God you know said you know Ezekiel talk to the people you know that kind of stuff as opposed to the spirit within them Um, so is there an initiation of I would want to say the day of Pentecost in each prophet in the Bible I don't know of one so where the spirit was delivered to them um, I know that like in Jonah it says the the that um oh man crap i just forgot well Sorry. so so in each so in each of those so in each of the prophetic books there's there's always a call story okay there you go there you go that's what i'm trying and, to get to and so the call story is that working the holy spirit i mean and and the one that's that's probably most clear and vivid for me at least is the story of isaiah in which isaiah has this vision in the year in which King Uzziah died. There you go. And he sees the heavenly throne and God, you know, sends the angel to cleanse Isaiah so that Isaiah can speak. Right. Um, So I, I, in each of the, in each of the prophetic, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not an expert on prophecy on the prophetic tradition why not just kidding i don't know it's it's that that's honestly a section of the bible that that i'm woefully ignorant of but um you know i i i think i'm on fairly safe ground in saying that in each of the prophetic books 
involved some sort of a call story uh, to the prophet. Okay, that's thank you. I, I you know I I would say I'm right there with you, Everett, because um, prophets are intimidating for me. Um, I'm I'm very let me sit down, let me, you know, in the beginning, you know, or in a galaxy far, far away. And then I want to wrap it up with a nice little, you know, good guys win <laughs> story as opposed to, you know, let's talk a little bit about this and then let's jump into some poetry. And then we're going to talk about, you know, flames and fires and lions and tigers. Oh, my. And I'm just like, I'm lost. And so um, prophets for me are almost like Leviticus. It's just you get to that point. You're like. I'm so lost because I approach it from a place of I need to get this done and check it off my list as opposed to, you know, I'm going to go sit out in nature and open up Isaiah and just read chapter 53 and let it wash over me. Yeah. <laughs> so. and, and, I, and I'm also, you know, so Psalm 51 is a, is a huge part of um, the daily office. So if you, I mean, if you just do the daily devotions, I say just, I mean, I think that's great you do, but there's always that, Tom, correct me if I'm wrong, but, but there's that section that says, take not your Holy Spirit from me, um, is one of the psalmist's petitions to God. Yes. Um, yeah, good point. I'm singing the song in my head. <laughs> yeah, that's a great camp song. Very good. Very good. Um, I'm still digging here. Uh, sorry to try and find um, what it says. But yeah, I mean, it, so in Jonah, I remember it said something came to Jonah. Um, and that's what I was trying to get to is but but in it and it and, and in Jonah, you know, being a satire, I guess, uh, it came to Jonah three times. The word of the Lord came to Jonah. There it is. My yeah. gosh. OK, so there's that call story there. Um, Cool. Uh, anything to add to that, Tom? I don't know if I've talked to you about it. Mm, nope. Okay. So, um, uh, there was, um, there was a question I had and I think I don't, I don't think I wrote it down. So I'm going to move on. Um, it's funny. I've talked to someone about how they perceive the spirit within their lives at work or just, just even a feeling of a presence. And, um, you know, I know this is, this is different for each individual and something like that. It's not something we can just be like, okay, number one, <laughs> um, just like my reading of the prophets, <laughs> I want an A through Z here. Um, but I joked, um, in myself because the way that I have described the spirit sometimes, um, and I think I did this to a friend of ours named wit and, um, it's, something to where there is a fire inside, um, AFI reference. And, um, there is something to where, <laughs> as I described it, a ghost with a bottle of Everclear and a lighter, <laughs> because it is something that is, that brings a sense of being on fire. Um, I know that may be some kind of like word that people don't relate to. And I think that may be come around in evangelical circles, but it's something that is moving. It's something that's always going. There is energy within fire. So to you all, and, and I'll let one of you jump in or I'll call you out. I'm you said curious. this is what your friend said about the Holy Spirit? No, that's how I described it. That's how I described okay. it. So there's just a feeling, right? Um, obviously being cheek and tongue here. Um, but how do you describe the Holy Spirit to someone that is not familiar with it? 
someone comes up to you and they say, I don't, I don't feel it. I don't feel anything. What do I do? What am I looking for? How do you, and so what's that advice? What's that, you know, guidance that you offer to someone, Tom, since you spoke up, I'm going to reference you first. How do you sit down and describe this someone not familiar with it? Well, um, if you're totally, if you're talking about somebody with a totally, from a totally blank slate, I guess, I would say, because if they're talking to me and asking me, what is the Holy Spirit? I would say that they're feeling, by faith, I believe all of us are being drawn towards God. And there's a verse in the scripture in the New Testament that talks about all of us. God is constantly drawing all of us. So I would say to them, that feeling that you've had inside of you that tells you there's something more and you haven't found it yet, Hmm. that's the spirit. Or that thing that's you felt like C.S. Lewis said, I felt like there's this thing pursuing me and I can't get away from it. And I used to think, <laughs> and now, he, and as it, over time, he came to see that as God. Um, hmm. So if I was talking to somebody from with a totally, you know, non Christian background, that's that thing in your life that's told you when you're around, when you're, what's good and what's bad, where's peace and where's chaos, that sort of thing. Okay. All right. Everett? Um, so I, I think that it's one of the hard, I think that there is something that's really difficult because I think, particularly in the culture in which we live, um, we often attribute things to the Holy Spirit and what we really mean is our own sort of desires and thoughts, but Mm. we just want to, right? So, well, in this season of my life, it feels like, or I think, you know, God has has placed on my heart and, and I'm not discounting, I'm not discounting those I'm not completely discounting those words, but I, I I think that sometimes Christians, particularly in this culture, use that language to justify whatever it is that they want to do. Hmm. Okay. Is that too harsh? No, that's good. No, no, I, I, I would agree. Um, I would, I can see that. But I think broader the way that Tom is talking about it is much, you know, is much more holy and, (laughs) and good. Um, because I do think, I do think that there is a, you know, I mean, when, you know, the pursuit of God as, as God's spirit, God's advocacy, you know, God's presence is something that is good and something we want to encourage. I just know that I bring to that baggage from this culture because of the way that it, I think it's been used and misused. Right. Right. That makes sense for sure. So let's, um, again, segueing off of that because, um, there are scripture, uh, there's scripture passages that speak of, um, 
<laughs> I just went blank. Narrow way, or um, I know there's narrow gate and things like that, but um, I started to say the road less traveled. <laughs> um, but walking the... Um, Oh, someone help me out. What am I reaching for here, if anybody knows? Um, I, I'm going blank, sorry. Um, but something to the effect of, of the narrow way, the harder way, the path you know that not everyone takes, something like that. So um, now I'm never going to come up with the real one what I wanted to. But the idea is that you are exiting what society does and you're taking the route that God wants you to. All right, that's the gist, okay? And it's interesting to me because every Christian can easily claim that. <laughs> they just because they're doing the opposite of someone else. It's like, well, I'm, you know, taking that path that God wants me to, you know, it's the harder path, but I'm taking it. And, you know, evangelicals, Baptists, Episcopalians, Catholics, we all claim that we're on that harder, quote-unquote, path. And um, because we are being driven by the Spirit, I hope that made some sense because I feel like it was nasty. <laughs> so, um, Tom, coming to you, how do we recognize, um, and you can use my example or not, how do we recognize the Spirit at work in people's lives? Um, and, you know, how do you recognize, I guess, the opposite is not, or when it's just, you know, so you wanted to talk about this, how do we recognize, and maybe that helps you set it up or not, but go from that if you would, please. Jesus said, you'll know them by their fruit. Okay. And the Paul talked about the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So if we have <coughs> those things in our life, um, then those are signs that God's Spirit is present. So if you see somebody saying, uh, you know, I'm full of God's spirit and God wants me to do this thing. And that thing is leading to violence and division. It's not leading to love, joy, peace, patience. You know, what Bishop Curry calls the way of love. If, if you're not seeing um, that kind of life, the fruits of that life present, then I would say it's, it's not the spirit of God. Okay. And what if you have like three of those eight? <laughs> well, I'd say we're all that way. <laughs> right. And, and I, I feel like we've talked about this in, in maybe other episodes. Don't hold on what Tom says is, is that I think one, this is what's, this is where having a community or a group is really, hmm. really vital in the Christian faith because, right. um, you know, if you, you you sit there and you go, oh, you know, God has placed on my heart this, and um, and, and if you have a community that can sit there and, and one kind of go, well, I'm not so sure about that, or maybe that what what it is is you know, and a, a word of affirmation, like yeah, you know, I really I, I really see that in your life, and mm. you know, I I commend that. So. I think, I think one, you know, yes, you need, you know, it, it does this bear fruit, but two, 
are there other people who are discerning this with you and affirming, you know, affirming that? Yeah, no, that's, that's great. I mean, that's something that, uh, from past, uh, traditions, uh, is something that I came upon with the, in the Episcopal church, uh, ding, um, is the process for, uh, ordination is the community must come together and recommend someone. They must feel that calling and, um, you know, just basically agree with it. And so that is something that is very, as opposed to, I feel the calling, I'm starting a church. Um, and uh, not not to knock that, but just I'm saying that there's something to having the community come together and truly say, yes, we see this and we bless this. Uh, it's, it seems, it just seems well done. <laughs> I'm just, I have no words this morning. My apologies. Um, okay, so how do we talk about, how do we talk about... <clears throat> the spirit and i think we kind of hit on this a little bit but how do we talk about the spirit outside of um you know what actually this is a good one so maybe in non-christian circles how do we talk about the spirit without bringing in rattlesnakes and and um holding our hands up in the air and and blind faith and all these things that uh some people may picture when you think when you talk about the spirit i mean we're talking about um something that isn't visible and so um, I don't know if I set that up very well, Everett, but um, you kind of wanted to talk about how we talk about it outside of uh, Pentecostal or, or and so on. So take it from yeah. me, please. <laughs> well, you know, so, it, you know, the way I, I would describe sort of the hands in the air type thing is, you know, if you've ever been, you know, to a concert and there's almost something that is religious about a concert in which people are sitting there singing and, you know, the, suddenly the, the, the artist, you know, shuts off his music and everyone's singing a cappella, right? There's a, there's sort of a transcendentalness sometimes of, of, of concerts, or at least concerts well done. Yeah, um, nice, indeed. It, and, and, and so I think that, that if you kind of talk about it in that sense, you know, people can kind of, okay, so I understand then now some of those sort of liturgical actions. Um, but I, I think at the, at the core of it is, is that, that the Holy Spirit is this advocate and this guide that is placed upon me at baptism um, and is strengthened at confirmation. Um that I I don't I have enough humility in my life that I cannot make these decisions by myself. Hmm. Ooh. Good. That's a that's uh the humility stings there. That's a good one. Um interesting. Okay. Uh Tom, add to that. How do we explain it? Yeah. Um well yeah. Yeah, how do we talk about it, you know, without um the hands in the air and waving them like we just don't care. <laughs> well, I had a friend who, his name was Bill Epperson. He passed away this last year, but he was a professor at a Church of Christ University in Nebraska. 
during the 60s when the charismatic renewal movement started. And he was an English professor, and he was out in the woods praying and uh, received, he told me the story, received the gift of tongues. So he's speaking in tongues. But he wasn't in a, a loud service. He wasn't with other people. But when he went back to his university and talked about it, nobody could, he couldn't say it's not, he had experienced it, so he couldn't refute it. And so he was fired from that school, and he ended up coming to Tulsa and eventually teaching at ORU when it started. But he was a member at Trinity Episcopal Church. Wow, okay. And he said, when I'm reading scripture, I find that God, I find the Spirit in silence, in um, prayer, like reading the Psalms, essentially the daily office. And he was a very, um, he presented to me a totally different view of charismatic faith Hmm. than I had ever experienced, you know, by watching television preachers or by seeing what the televangelist kind of folks bring up. So, God is, when Jesus was with his disciples, he confused them, he confounded them, he didn't, they didn't know what, where he was taking them, he was often not clear, and then in John 14, which we're reading in our Sunday morning gospel readings right now for the last few weeks, he says, I'll send you another advocate to be with you, and I always thought of that as God advocating the spirit advocating for me before god which the spirit is god so that's kind of <laughs> that's how i thought of it right and there's some of that in romans and paul's letters but in john 14 it's really it seems to be the spirit is advocating for jesus in our lives so it's confusing it's confounding it leaves us uncomfortable, but it always forces us to grow. Mm. So, I would say it's not necessarily a warm, fuzzy feeling. It's not necessarily a feeling that you'd get at a concert. I don't think the prophets, when they were full of the Spirit, had this warm, fuzzy feeling. It often led them to weep, you know, that they had to go do this thing that they didn't want to do. Mm. So, I guess I would just say we can't put God in a box and say, well, it always looks like this. or Right. Right. Or don't just assume. And, yeah, and I think that's important, is that, is that oftentimes the Spirit leads you into things you don't want to do, right? And this is that's clearest in the prophetic tradition. You know, um, the response of every prophet is, no, I don't want to do this. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I mean, I do think, I mean, I do think that if you look at the story of, of, of Pentecost itself, um, in which, you know, the prophet Joel predicted that there would be this day in which the spirit would rest on every person, every tribe, every language, every nation, 
and and that's sort of what Pentecost is. And and these people have a response, right? And 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 the crowd say, "Oh, look, they're drunk." And mm. Peter goes, "They're not drunk. It's nine o'clock in the it's morning. How nine. could they possibly? Right? How could it? Po- how could they possibly be drunk?" <laughs> um. And and so, so I've I known people that were drunk at nine a.m. I thought that was a great cultural reference. It's like it's nine. You know, that's not the case yeah. out here anymore. <laughs> so I think it's a I, I think it's a both and. But I think that we tend to focus more in our culture on sort of the ecstatic warm feelings when as tom says also part of the spirit is uh uh-uh, i don't want to do that yeah. right and 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 leading you to do things you don't want to do yeah i would say outside of um oh i don't know how to say this god that's that's basically my day here um i feel that uncomfortableness and, um, you know, sadly, I'm sitting here thinking about Facebook, <laughs> which is which is honestly it is. It's sad. Um, but because re- responding to people on Facebook, uh, th- that's not what this is about. But uh, that's what came to mind. But um, I feel an uncomfortableness in not knowing the direction. And I think that's what Tom is alluding to, because there is um, injustices in our world that we are called to, re- I started to say refute, but undo, um, let's just say that. And, um, and, and that's a very, very uncomfortable thing, even though I still hope that I lean into it and step when I step, speak when I should, and take action more often than words, you know. And, um, and so that's where I kind of feel that, to where I feel like some people... And that's, I don't know how to distinguish, um, and Tom, you gave us the fruits of the Spirit to distinguish when someone's driven by the Spirit, and that's great. Um, but when some people are doing that, I'm like, with the, under the Christian banner, I just kind of shrug my shoulders, and I'm like, man, I don't see it. I don't see it. That, that message comes from, you know, a place of, I'll say hate, but I'll also say just like a power, being in power. Um, I'm being ambiguous just because you can apply it to whatever you want. So um, I think it's a difficult thing. I think it's a difficult thing, and I think our world is thoroughly confused on it because we place the spirit under the banner very often of a political party. And our spirit moves when it has to do with our you know agenda or talking points. And I just... It makes me want to withdraw from politics even thinking about that because that's not where my allegiance is placed. Um, and so... Uh, Justin, Brian Zahn talks about this and, and you know, and he, and Brian Zahn was, a, was, a, was, was and, I, and I think he would still describe himself as a charismatic. Um, yeah. But he he says that, that in his former days... Um, the Holy Spirit was what he used to justify his isms. Yeah. 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 And, and he said, you know, one, once I realized that Christianity is not about isms, mm-hmm. um, you know, that, that, that actually unleashed the power of the spirit working in his life. Mm. That, that once I'm, once I don't feel like my job is to protect my tribe. 
Yes. Yeah. You know, I, I, I can actually do what God wants. And I think, and I think that's, I think that is what limits the spirit in American Christianity Ooh, good. is yes. Yes. that we are so, we are so tribal right. in our, in, 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 in this country. Even in, um, even in the time of, um, you know, COVID-19 right now. Mm-hmm. It is just, it just is, and again, I'm talking about Facebook, and I hate that. I hate that, but it's our world. It, it is what it is, and so, um, but it is just divisive, um, you know, throughout, and so. Um, was that in Water to Wine by Zond, do you recall? Uh, you know, I mean, it's just it, it just sort of a um, collection of, of his, Stuff. you know, thoughts yeah. and teachings. Okay. Yeah. Tom, okay, uh, we're up on time. Tom, do you have anything else to add? Tom, I'm gonna step away. I not. Oh, sorry. I I muted my microphone because of the work going on behind uh, me. Okay, no worries. Um, and I forgot it was muted. Um, I I would just add that I most. There's a way I had kind of rejected some of my views of the spirit when I left evangelicalism okay. and kind of went through the doubting, all the doubting stuff. And, right. um, but a lot of that has been restored for me um, through what I found in the Episcopal Church and through liturgical worship and silence kind of like my friend Bill Epperson said. Mm-hmm. And I would just say to people listening, don't... It can be charismatic even if it doesn't look like those exciting services you see on TV. Right. But usually in Scripture, God is present in silence. And we have to turn off our cell phones. All the noise we're... That's the worst thing. Our society, we are the worst at silence. Hmm. And so if God is found in silence, it Meister. makes sense yeah. that we uh, don't often experience God or find God. Because <laughs> right. we are never in silence. Right. right. I think that was Eckhart, Meister Eckhart, that said God is silence or something to that. Um Okay, uh, maybe we need to continue this discussion. I don't know. We'll we'll talk about it offline. Uh, Everett, did you have anything else to add, or maybe it'll be continued? No, I'm good. Let's. Um, you know, this was brought up as well uh, by Everett. I think about focusing on recognizing the spirit within community. Um, I believe that that is something because otherwise, uh, our agendas, my agenda just gets in the way. Um, and so I think that's something which is hard to do right now in our current world, but I, you know, there are ways to do that. And I think that's something to do in prayer and then also in prayer. And as Tom said, in silence. So thank you all for listening. I hope you enjoyed it and may the peace of the Lord be always with you. Thanks for joining us today. You can find us on Twitter and Facebook at, at fun drain pod. We'd love to hear your comments on our episodes and also suggest future episode topics. Also, if you enjoy what we're doing, go on to iTunes and give us a review, please. Thanks a lot.